It's spooky time. Spooky time. Hello, Sydney. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Real DMC podcast. Real DMC stands for Dave, Marks, and Colin. I'm here with Marks and Colin. What's up, guys? I'm feeling a little woozy here, guys. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my. It's going to be a good one. Doing good, Dave. All right. Well, uh, what was that? I'm doing good, Dave. How are you? Oh, great. Thanks, Marcus. Thanks for checking in. Okay. Well, in honor of uh, the horror month that is October, we decided to maybe check out a couple of horror movies. We'll see if we get more than this one. But the subject for today's conversation is the 1996 Wes Craven film Scream. Hello. Hello. Who is this? If you tell me your name, I'll tell you mine. <laughs> I don't think so. What's that noise? Popcorn. You making popcorn? Well, I'm getting ready to watch a video. Really? What? Well, just some scary movie. You like scary movies? Uh huh. You never told me your name. Why do you want to know my name? I want to know who I'm looking at. Okay, well, maybe we can just start. How about um, your how about personal relationship to the movie? So were you guys, prior to re-watching this, uh, were you fans of this movie? Were you, was this something that, you know, you thought of as a really good horror movie? Something that was, that you'd, you know, hit once in a while? I'd hit it, for sure. I was a huge fan of the movie. I saw it when it came out. It's just a very, very smart, fun, just a great, great watch. My experience <laughs> with this movie was... Um... Traumatizing? <laughs> it was not. I, I remember when it came out and I thought it it looked absolutely ridiculous. I didn't want to see it. It was a dumb teenage horror f- slasher flick and I, I really had no interest in in watching it. And and then I rented it when it, when it came out. So I never saw it in a theater. I saw, I love seeing the blockbuster in the movie. That it is really good. It is. So I rented it and I, I loved it. I just absolutely fell in love with this movie. And I think I, this is kind of weird, but the movie makes me happy. <laughs> oh, for sure. When I first saw it, it, it just really made me nostalgic for Northern California because I was living in LA at the time. And it's it's got such you know beautiful locations where it was filmed. Um, and I, I just like totally love the town of Woodboro. Uh, and I, I wish I had grown up there, even even though there are you know a couple of psychotic. Uh, teenagers running around but um yeah so uh, and where is where is the actual woodboro film location i know that they uh had attempted to shoot the movie at santa rosa high school and then santa rosa high school they read the script and they said <laughs> they, they said no fucking way <laughs> yeah and they did actually because in, in fact if you look at the credits wes craven has a there's one thing in the credits that says and no thanks what's to it whatsoever to the santa rosa <laughs> high school so it's it's filmed in and around santa rosa healdsburg and uh, Glen Ellen and Sonoma. Yeah, I recognize the Hillsburg downtown like right away. Yeah, Sydney has a kick-ass house. They all do. Sure. That's a that's a great house. Casey's, yeah. but Casey's house, Casey's uh, Drew Barrymore. That oh, is really nice. well, that's one of the most beautiful farmhouses I've ever seen. It's got its own vineyard. Yeah, it's it's, right it's, it's sold four years ago for five point eight million. Really, really okay. nice oh, house. And I love Sydney's good, house. Good place to shoot a movie. Yeah. Then yeah, actually, when I watched it previously, until this rewatch, I never really like thought much about uh where it was filmed like i never really like considered it and this one i'm watching i'm like wait a minute i've been to that hillsburg i think we went to hillsburg like last year or two years ago i'm like we were there i know that downtown yeah yeah. they uh so the police uh the police station is actually uh now oakville grocery uh so you can walk right into the woodsboro police i I gotta say Um, it was quite nice yeah um yeah i love hillsburg it's one of my favorite little towns and in uh, in California, um, to be honest with you, I think I could probably talk about um, the Hillsburg for a while. The, the location and the houses, <laughs> like for the you, entire podcast. If you want to go to Northern, I California, like the movie wine too. Country. Yeah, I like the movie too. This, but this I really podcast love... brought to you by the Hillsburg uh, Community Center, <laughs> the real DMC travel travel blog. <laughs> uh, the high school is actually the Sonoma Community Center. Oh. Um, Sydney's house. Sydney's house is in Santa Rosa, like sort of like northwest Santa Rosa, like in the foothills there. And then um, uh, Casey's house is Glen Allen. Um, Stu's house, where the big party is, that is in Tamales. 
So, so, we're so off one the, thing on the Tamales Petaluma Road. Since we're talking about uh, locations in Stu's house, that'd be huge. Like it's a beautiful house. He's got, even got like his own crest on like the outside of the house, and like it's just this massive. Like he's got this like extension of garage and all sorts of big space. And then the parents' bedroom, they have like a double in there. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a small little bedroom, <laughs> tiny little bed. I'm like, uh, I'm not seeing that. The other thing I thought was interesting was during the party scene when they tear out of there to go see the uh, the principal that's hanging on the goalpost, which is you know kind of a funny moment. They uh, they do basically a lawn job oh, on yeah. the way out. I don't know if you noticed that, but all the guys jump in their car and they're just like tearing out across the lawn in front of the oh, house. Yeah. I thought that was a little little rude there. By the way, why why kill the principal? Uh, actually, you know why they killed the principal is because there was a was it thirty to forty minute gap in screen time where no one was going to die. So it was, I think, one of the Weinsteins that looked at it and said, um, and, or maybe it was Craven, I don't know, and just basically said, hey, we need another murder in here. So that's why they killed um, the They're psychopaths. And, you know, uh, he does have the leather jacket in the closet. You saw that, right? So he has the oh, no, jacket hanging in the closet. No, I did not see it. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> still- yeah. This movie, I mean, obviously this movie is really well known because of all the references, which we can talk about some of them. But, um, you know, it's a combination of stuff that is, you know, kind of nested in the dialogue and then people that pop up. Like you have Linda Blair, who shows up really briefly as a, Reporter. Um, she's one of the reporters right. outside. Well, yeah. so Dave, let me let Dave let me ask you what what was your what is your reaction to this film? I think. Well, it was interesting because I uh, I was expecting upon rewatch to like it more than I did. I thought it was a good movie, fun movie. I think it's very well put together. Uh, I almost feel like it's a victim of its own success in some respects, though, because when you watch it now, it's been satirized and it's been you know it had not not only did this you know lead to three additional sequels, but you have there was a TV series and then. Uh, you have the whole scary movie film series, which this movie was originally going to be titled Scary Movie. And then uh, it was changed to Scream by the Weinsteins when they listened to a, uh, I guess it's a Michael Jackson, Janet Jackson song called Scream. And that's how they got the uh, inspiration to change it, change the title. Uh, no, I, I mean, it was good. I, I really enjoyed it, but it was kind of, it felt so, it was one of those things where after you've seen something done so many times again and again, and I, I know that's kind of the point of this because it's about the horror movie, you know, all the, the, um, the rules of the horror movie universe. There are certain rules that one must abide by in order to successfully survive a scary movie. Number one, you can never have sex. Never, ever, ever under any circumstances say, I'll be right back. Because you won't be back. You get another beer, you want one? Yeah, sure. I'll be right back. But it was, it just kind of, it felt very familiar. I guess that was kind of how I would describe it. Yeah, but when it came out, it was, it was really fresh and exciting. Yeah, it was no, it was great. Yeah, I mean, it, that's the thing. It's, I think maybe I like it a little bit less now than I did when I first. Yeah, saw when it first came out, it was uh, it definitely like changed. Like the horror scene gotten really, really stale at that point. Like the there was a couple of like more thrillers were coming, but the horror movies it kind of almost died. Like Jason Friday the Thirteenth was on like number nine. Wes Craven tried rebooting Nightmare on Elm Street with number seven, The New Nightmare, and then uh, Halloween was on number six. Those were the last of all of those series for like ten years almost. Uh, they all took like kind of a break. And so when screen came out, it really was kind of poking fun at all of those, but it also was like so fresh compared to all the other, like n- numerous, numerous, numerous sequels that people are, I think we're just getting tired of. Yeah. I mean, at the time, definitely a big breath of fresh air for sure. I think it also is interesting for me personally, because I was a horror movie junkie when I was growing up and this was kind of the, you know, as I aged out of my teens, stopped my interest in horror started to drop so this was kind of maybe the last horror movie or horror movie series that i paid attention did you read, to did you read the roger ebert uh review no what is the ebert he review? mentions like uh fangoria like he's like uh, this is definitely a movie like made for people who read fangoria magazine <laughs> he's like yeah. and if you know what fangoria magazine is you like you know what i'm talking about <laughs> he thought it was like super violent that too it was kind of maybe at the time i don't know I think, like, I think it's i think it's pretty violent i mean i think the uh you know, the, the knives going into people, I think they do that pretty effectively. Maybe it's not as gory. Maybe they're violent. Maybe it's violent, but not as gory. I mean, well, uh, there's, I mean, there's so the, many more. Like, poor Steve has his, you know, guts ripped out, but you don't really, they don't really linger on yeah. that. Like, have you seen the, did you see the, was the uh, Texas Chainsaw, the remake of that with uh, Jessica Beale? Now, that one's like super violent and over the top that movie's pretty that movie's yeah, pretty good really actually good. Or, or better than you better than you think i enjoyed that one a lot yeah i really liked also how they sort of um ripped off psycho you know i thought that this was a drew barrymore movie oh, yeah. and then yeah and it starts with her and then she gets killed like in the first 15 minutes that was just a great move in fact 
I read that she was originally cast as um, Sydney, and and then yeah. she decided she she said no no no, um, you know you should kill me off in the like a, in the first um, you know right in the beginning, and it would be a lot better. And the, and Wes Craven agreed. Well, she yeah she was signed to be Sydney, and also the they featured her very predominantly in the promotional yeah. materials. Yeah. Like when, when when you look at the at the poster, she's at the very front, and in terms of the, her head size as compared oh, yeah. to everybody else, so that's pretty interesting. So I, that was really really effective. Just like with uh, was it Janet Lee in Psycho? Yeah, I I actually I mean I think is this maybe her best on-screen performance what? i mean i know it's a very short window but I, I mean i think no. she's no yeah i love drew barrymore she's what? so great yeah, i mean she's great in this but she's well so well, well let me actually what i like about it though is it's not you know she has i mean I, I like drew barrymore as well and she has a fun personality she has a you know she injects a lot of kind of lighter more you know kind of i guess hippie-ish type energy into it but what i like about this is that it's not right she's pretty she's pretty serious and she's playing terrified and i actually think it's a really good performance it is a good performance uh, but i don't the, i don't i wouldn't say it's her, her best performance uh, et of course right well yeah i'm not not comparing it to her what five or six year old <laughs> self so. i i particularly yeah. love um the wedding singer i i think she's great in that maybe her non her best non-comedic performance how about that? um right speaking of et i loved um Randy's throwaway line about uh, some in the video oh, store, some, some girl comes up and asks him, "Hey, what's that? Uh, where, where, what's that werewolf movie with ET's mom? <laughs> the Howling. It's over in the Howling. What's that werewolf movie with ET's mom in it? The Howling. Horror. Straight ahead. Okay, thanks. That that was really funny. Would you guys consider yourself Wes Craven fans? As for him as a director, not necessarily. Uh, I mean, I'm not no. really into the horror movies. Um, I liked A Nightmare on Elm Street, but it's really not my thing. Yeah. But I, this is probably I mean, my favorite Wes Craven movie because it's. I think it's a departure from his other horror films. No, I, I'm definitely a fan. Like I enjoy a lot of his, uh, The Nightmare on Elm Streets, I really enjoyed. He's done a lot of like Hills of Eyes and stuff like that too. Like, Yeah, the, I, I, I definitely growing up would, was definitely a big Wes Craven fan. He was as a director, mostly because of the horror interest. It would, you know, that was appointment um, movies for me. And he and he actually made he made some really weird ones too, like the the people under the yeah. stairs. And then he he went on a quick little jaunt where he went through, uh, you know, the idea that technology was bad. And so he made Deadly Friend and Shocker, which, if you've seen those movies, they're both. Yeah, I think Mitch Pileggi is in. Yeah, Mitch Pileggi is, in is the, yeah he's <laughs> yeah Horace something or other like he plays the other serial killer in Shocker yeah. and both those movies are. Uh, questionable in terms of maybe overall quality but they're both very entertaining like deadly friend has the infamous uh sequence where the the robot girl picks up the basketball and throws it at this guy and his head explodes <laughs> you know that one it like decapitates him with a basketball so that, yeah, that's kind of fun. just another reason why i'm not a big fan of Wes craven but it's also like now i wouldn't say i would be but like at the time when i was into horror movies and enjoyed it as a teenager like he was you know at the top of his game also which I thought this was like pretty different from like most of his films, just from the kind of smartness of it. Like his other films have a little bit of like, you know, there's some, but it's more like just standard horror cliches to a certain degree. They just have a couple of witty lines and things like that. Um, with Nightmare on Elm Street, you had that for sure. But like this one is definitely very, very smart writing. It reminds me more of something like uh, Mall Rats or Clerks, just in the like self-referential and they just like, knowing that you're knowing the rules of a horror movie and knowing that all that aspect of it makes it far more like smart of a movie. Whereas like most of like Wes Craven's movies don't have that kind of. Yeah. The development in the production history there, I mean, there is a lot about this movie that I think is pretty interesting. Obviously the, the big piece of that is Kelvin, Kevin Williamson, who was the writer on this film. So he wrote the screenplay after uh, he saw, it was a, I think a television show. I can't remember the name of the television show, but it was, about a serial killer in Gainesville, Florida named Danny Rawling. And apparently it was a guy who had killed three people on, uh, I think it was, maybe it was Florida State, I think it was a college campus. And one of the things he did was he actually decapitated uh, somebody and put the person's head on the shelf inside their room. So, uh, you know, a little dark there, but, uh, but then he took the, you know, he wrote the script on spec and it was picked up for, I think, I think it was purchased for $400,000. And then, you know, it led to the, and then it was interesting because it also opened um, relatively mildly in, in, or modestly into like a 6.5 million, I think was the opening weekend. They actually released it purposefully in, uh, during the Christmas season as counter programming, right? They were looking for the opportunity to, you know, pull the horror fans in who had nothing to watch. 
And I think it might hold the record or, or it did really well in terms of a movie that post-release made more money consecutively after a series of weekends, not counting like, you know, like something that starts in a really limited release. But it, it's interesting that it started at 6.5 million opening weekend and ended up grossing over $100 million domestically. So it ended up being a pretty big success. And then Kevin Williamson, I know, I think it was in exchange for writing Scream 2. They cut him uh, or, you know, he was working a deal so that he'd become a, he could be a director because that's what he really wanted to do. And then he ended up directing uh, the movie, I think it's uh, called Teaching Miss Tingle with uh, Katie Holmes. Uh, originally, it was going to be Killing Mrs. Tingle. And it, it stars, I think, Helen Mirren as well. She's Mrs. Tingle. Right? Yeah. They made him change the title. Yeah. Because of Columbine, right? I, Is that I right? I think so. Yeah. And, and apparently, there was also supposed to be an R-rated movie originally, and then they pulled it back to a PG-13. So I've never seen the movie. I, it, does, it doesn't actually hold up. Uh, it doesn't have a good reputation, let me say that. Yeah. And then he went on to write, I Know What You Did Last Summer. And I think he's had a fair amount of success with uh, some, as, I think, either being a showrunner or a producer for- The Creek. Uh, a couple of The Creek, man. Uh, you got to mention- Dawson's yeah, Dawson. Creek. Yeah, so I, I never watched Dawson's Creek. So if you want to, if you want to throw some Dawson's Creek knowledge, you could cut it on the game. creek. <laughs> I like. I, I watched a little bit of Dawson's Creek. I liked it. Well, and for your re- that's a Jane Silent Bob reference. Yeah, yeah. Who was who was the main protagonist on that show? Who was Dawson? Uh, Dawson was played by um um um, um of course I can't remember his name. James, James Vanderbeek. Vanderbeek. Yes, yeah. thank you. Uh, were there right. were there any noteworthy cars in this movie? Uh, there's a nice Volkswagen Bug that uh, Tatum drove. I guess you could use that that as an adjective for a Volkswagen Bug. I like bugs. You don't like bugs? No, not really. My dad, nice uh, pale blue one. All right, All right well, moving on. Let's- Let's just, uh, we can talk about some of the cast. So we mentioned Drew Barrymore, obviously, you know, very limited screen time and a, a pretty good exit. Um, anything else you want to say about Drew Barrymore's performance? Uh, yeah. So apparently <laughs> in order f- for her to, you know, like keep crying during the lengthy shoot, um, Wes Craven would tell her stories of animal cruelty because yeah. she, she's, she's, like she's, a big a, animal she's an animal lover. Yeah. yeah. I thought that was pretty... Um, but pretty awful. <laughs> Can you imagine? Uh, yeah. So yeah, I, you know, I just saw this uh, this this deer get hit by a car, and so I pulled over, and it was just like screaming, and its leg was broken. Ah! Okay, shoot, action! <laughs> I really enjoyed the Drew Barrymore. That opening scene was fantastic, and kind of just the drama of it. Also, when the parents pull in, and then she's getting dragged off to the side, and just like there's so much. It was great. It was like truly like good horror. Like she has all the like French doors, and you like you see in the background, you can kind of see different. Like, is there movement there? You're like, you know, that was wonderful. Oh, okay. Let me ask you guys a question. At any point when 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 you've seen this movie, did it was it ever scary? It was tense, but I don't think I was like ever truly scared. Yeah. I mean, for me, Ghostface is just not scary. He's like so goofy. Like (laughs) so many times, like he's just getting. Well, yeah, I have that. We can can jump to that. Maybe let's finish going through the cast and then we can jump to the movie. All right. So um, so the one thing I thought was interesting. So there's a guy named Roger Jackson and he played the voice of the the guy on the phone. The question is, So where are you? Your front porch. And apparently Wes Craven did not allow him to come onto the set. So he was this actual mysterious figure that was offset that was actually talking to the actors on the phone for real when they were doing their scenes. I thought that was kind of fun. I I also thought it was pretty interesting that um, during the Drew Barrymore scene, when her parents call 911, that somebody forgot to actually unplug the phone and they really did dial 911. <laughs> oh, like real oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, funny. Yeah, they, they kept calling 911 and, and the police apparently, apparently called him back at one point and said, why do you guys keep calling us? <laughs> well, uh, funny. Too funny. Uh, okay, moving on. So Nev Campbell. So uh, she's, she's great in this movie. I mean, I think it's a really strong performance. I love Nev Campbell. I thought she was great in the movie. The I was watching Party of the Five at the time. It was great to see. I thought like actually the whole cast was very famous at the time also. Drew Barrymore is obviously famous. She's been child star for a while. Even Courtney Cox was on Friends. Like this all these 
actresses where it was at the height of their their fame nev really sort of becomes a star in this movie yeah and she's super cute uh then you have nev's boyfriend in the film played by skeet ulrich who i always thought was uh like if you were trying to uh clone johnny depp in a telepod and you hit it with about 70 percent accuracy i think you end up with skeet ulrich that was my thought on you know that's Yes, um, I think didn't the scene. So I read somewhere that. Uh, so again, I'm not a horror movie guy, but I read somewhere that um, the scene where Billy makes his first appearance, he crawls through um, Sydney's bedroom window. That that was like very much like a scene where was it Glenn? I think in um, yes, Nightmare on Elm Street. He yeah. comes in through the window, same thing, and he he you know, and then Glenn is played by Johnny Depp. Right. So intentional? Yeah. No? Uh, I'm sure. I don't know. I mean, it, it, I felt slightly intentional. Uh, there's a lot of, I mean, Wes, Wes Craven does a lot of callbacks to his own stuff in this yeah. movie. Yeah. Right. He mentions, um, you know, obviously all the references to Elm Street. Um, and what he says about the, or what he has Drew Barrymore saying in the beginning is all the sequels sucked. Uh, and that's because, well, one of the reasons he may have that opinion is because he sold the rights to Elm Street after he made the first movie. <laughs> and other people made the sequels, not him. So... He got to he got to do a little editorializing as part of the script there. He also had a janitor in there. Hey Fred, I, yeah, yeah, Fred. I, I, I loved that. It was just like a total throwaway. The funny thing is, I did yeah. not remember that at all. So it actually was a nice surprise when I was watching it. Like, oh, oh, yeah. And funny. you know, you said that is that is Wes Craven, uh, yeah, yeah. right? You know that that mm-hmm. is Wes Craven. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, if 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 Fred was the janitor at my high school, um, I probably wouldn't have gone to my high school anymore. And then, of course, Billy's last name is Loomis, which is a reference to Dr. Loomis, the guy that hunted, the doctor that hunted Michael Myers, who was a really, really bad psychiatrist, if you think about it. Did we talk about Courtney Cox? (laughs) No. So Courtney Cox in this movie is great. She's tons of fun. And yeah, so apparently she was looking to move off of her friends, her friends typecasting as a, as a, uh, you know, a friendly, upbeat person. And so she, she wanted to play a bitch. And so she specifically was looking for that type of role and she lobbied hard to, uh, play the role of Gail. If anything, she didn't even come across that like strong as a bitch at all. I don't think she's a. I don't think she's a bitch. She's ambitious, but she's not really a bitch in this movie. I, I think, think she should have channeled William Atherton and done more of a Richard Thornburg type performance. Yeah, exactly, Thornburg. Exactly. Like she doesn't come across as that at all. Yeah, she has. I mean, she has fun chemistry with David Arquette in this yeah, movie too. Okay. I mean, obviously, they. I think this was the movie where they they got together uh, and started their relationship. They fell in, their in life, love on so. the set. And David Arquette in this movie is is fun. He's actually he's. He's very amusing. He has a, you know, Deputy Dewey has uh, lots of good, you know, he injects the right amount of comedic randomness. Let me say that. But, and he tries to be heroic, but he fails. But he's fun. Well, he tells Tatum, he's like, what did mom say? When I wear this badge, you treat me like a man of the law. God damn it, Dewey. <laughs> what did mom tell you? When I wear this badge, you treat me like a man of the law. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so Dewey, is, Dewey is pretty funny. Dewey's awesome. Dewey's good. And then maybe the last, maybe the last two. So uh, Rose McGowan as Tatum in this movie, she's great. So she's um, she's she's the just lots of fun energy. Uh, and then the last person maybe that I'll mention would be Matthew Lillard, who as uh, Stu in this movie. Which if you're just hanging out with Stu as your friend, I could not. And somebody starts getting killed in the in the area, don't you automatically <laughs> pretty much assume that it's <laughs> Stu? How do you gut someone? take a knife and you slit them from groin to sternum hey it's called tact you fuck rag based on his behavior yeah, Stu's awesome <laughs> Stu's a wackadoodle yeah how come Matthew Lillard 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 like Lillard Lillard Lillard, Lillard. Lillard. Like Dame Lillard? Lillard? I can't Lillard. Say that right now um, how come he hasn't done more? He seems like he he's had a quiet career and he has so much like personality and so much like animation and so much. He, he might've actually peaked when he played Shaggy. Honestly, that might've <laughs> been like the perfect melding of like casting and, you know, actor. I don't know. If it was actually very that. inspired cast. No, I mean, I mean, that no, I, know. I mean, he, 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 he does a great job with Shaggy. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he had his moment. He was in like a SLC punk. Um, I saw him recently. Well, maybe like a few years ago. Uh, I was surprised to see him playing an adult i i don't know i i, I don't i'm not a big fan of Stu. Stu no. is just better live her alone <laughs> live her alone <laughs> oh liver liver live it was a joke no too much he's too much yeah he's just too much although 
um, watching this again, like obviously like knowing who the killers are, right. Billy and Stu, and uh, watching the first scene with like all of the friends um, in the square sitting around the fountain and, and, you know, theorizing like, you know, who could have done it. It's really interesting to watch Billy and Stu's reactions, particularly Billy's reaction, because a lot of times when Stu is talking, Billy is just like, like, yeah, like, hey, dude, what, like, yeah. you're going too far here. Yeah, tone like, it down. Yeah, it's really, it's really kind of interesting. Yeah, that's 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 exactly what I was watching for when I was watching it uh, a couple nights ago too. Same, yeah, same and I thing. Think and you know, if you're watching it for the first time, you're just thinking it's Skeet is looking, you know, all very like sort of intense and stuff, because that's that's who his character is. But um, but no, he's not. Yeah, I think like I forget like the first time I watched it, I definitely was surprised it was the both of them. But then like watching it now, it's like it seems so obvious. Like in every scene, it seems like oh, obviously they're the killers. Like. We turn that on the screen, you're like, oh yeah. Well, and they, they they do the same thing in the video store too. Like so, when they have Jamie Kennedy there, and they're yeah. and and Stu comes up and uh, you know, grabs uh, what's his name? Randy. What's Jamie Kennedy's Randy. name in this movie? Randy grabs Randy, and then he's looking over, and they're having that same conversation. You can see them locking eyes with each other and communicating. So it, it's you know, once you know that they're the killers, and you watch this movie, it, you you get to watch it an entirely yeah. different way. Yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun. See a whole bunch of different stuff. Which is, yeah, is kind of cool because it still holds up too. It's not like you're trying to, like some movies be like, oh, you kind of figure it out and like, okay, whatever. It's not as interesting, but like this one, you definitely rewatch it several times. Like, okay, how they, how they, you know. Yeah, the two killer concept was actually pretty cool at the time. That was new and uh, felt new and interesting. Yeah. It seems like they could have done more with that just to throw you off even more. I thought I remembered it more suspenseful on who it was because like, oh, like, he comes in the window and then she sees him running away or something like that. But it wasn't that like close. It was like, there's enough suspicion on that. I don't know. I think there was a couple of times where they could have done a little bit more on that side, but. Well, I, it's, it's, again, this is like, it's a really smartly written script and, you know, first who like suspicion is immediately, you know, falls on Billy who actually did do it. Yeah. And then, and then they, it goes away. It gets, put on to, you know, he's sort of um, uh, ruled out as a suspect um, because Sydney gets the phone call and, and then suspicion goes on to her father who, you know, they can't reach and, and it's his cell phone. Did that know. ever feel believable or no? Like for me, that just didn't feel, I mean, I don't remember the first time, but this time too, just like, oh, this feels so hollow. Well, I didn't, I didn't actually think it was her dad. But, you know, all the evidence is pointed to him as being it. So I just think that they did a really, really nice job. And, and, and then you think, well, it couldn't have been Billy, right? But you're never thinking, oh, there's two people involved here. Yeah. So, again, it's a, it's a really interesting concept. And, it, and it, it was very smart and complex. What was your one phone call, Billy? Who'd you call? The, the one thing that is fun about that too with the two with the two killers is when you go back and you know maybe we can talk about the opening scene he actually asks her on the phone and he says you know what door am i at and there are two doors and so of course the killer is actually at both of them right so that, that i thought you know when you when you look at right. you know when you realize what happens after the fact so uh, and the opening scene too there the uh, apparently they had to cut it uh they had to cut the scene of i guess you saw steve's guts fell, fall out in the original cut and they had to remove that to avoid an nc-17 rating the one thing I, I thought that was really good was that her mom in the you know no she comes home the house is destroyed uh she still takes the time to take the popcorn off the stove and get it in the sink and get some water on it so she's she's very she she maintains her cool and is still paying attention to fire safety under very difficult circumstances so i just wanted to compliment you don't her want your that. house burning down i mean Right. Yeah, it's a six million dollar house. I mean, geez. The other thing that about that opening scene too, um, I think the the line uh, where the killer says, you know, she says she's asking like, "What do you want?" and he says, uh, "To see what your insides look like." That, that's pretty good. I think that's a pretty <laughs> good line of dialogue. That, that that's pretty yeah. dark. Yeah. Because yeah. when yeah. when Steve dies, they they have a close up on his face. Yeah. And and I'm looking. I thought he he like he had his throat slashed, but I don't see any blood. Yeah, that's I'm right. Going, yeah, I'm going. What's going on here? And then they cut to him, you know, whole full body shot, and his guts are hanging out. It's like, oh, that's what happened there. And I think I think they should have left it in. I think I, I would have liked to have seen his his 
guts actually like fall out of his you want you want to see his insides yeah so going back to that scene i thought one of the the really great parts of that was um the 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 quiz and he's how ghostface uh sets her up with the um the easy question about who is the killer in halloween and it's yeah. michael myers and then you know, who's the killer in friday the 13th which is sort of a trick question because i think you pulled that on me too right I think so. I think we did. I think yeah. like yeah. episode one. <laughs> <laughs> I always liked that. I thought that was really smart. Yeah, the all the inside jokes of uh, horror movies. Yeah, there's and it, that's the. I think it's interesting too because you know having watched all those horror movies when I was growing up, there's even all the throwaway lines, right? So where the husband tells the wife at the house, you know, to drive down to the street to the Mackenzies. That's exactly what Jamie Lee Curtis told the kids to do when they're leaving, you know, when they're fleeing Michael Myers. Wait and a Halloween. minute, Lori, why are you telling these kids to drive? They're obviously underage. Uh, so that that's good. And then there's all the, you know, in terms of the references, the other things, you know, I spit in your garage. Like, like Tatum says that at one point, right? Right. Obviously it's, um, you know, I spit on your grave. I spit on your grave. That's what it's I, 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 I missed that, that one because I don't even know what that movie is. Yeah, that's that's why a, a lot of this stuff is fun because my first introduction to um, I was going to call him Wes Carpenter, <laughs> right? <laughs> he sounded like a Wes Carpenter. That, that was a nice one. I, I, I did appreciate that, the Wes, the Wes Carpenter funny. line. Yeah, but uh, but Wes Craven made a movie called Last House on the Left. Have you, you guys ever seen that? Nope. It's a very very nasty uh, exploitation film that that he made. I think in nineteen. I want to say maybe seventy four. I think seventy two. Yeah. This is the one. There's a like pretty brutal rape in that oh it's, it's a horror it's a it's a brutal rape and then uh the parents end up getting revenge on the uh and it's they rape and murder the daughter and then the parents get revenge on the the gang that did it to their daughter and it's yeah it's i mean it's it's a super unpleasant movie it, and then uh, what was interesting about that is Wes Craven was trying to get it released and he took it to the MPAA to get it rated and they immediately said this is an x rating they just gave it an x and so he went back and he cut some stuff and he resubmitted it. They said X. They, he cut some stuff, resubmitted it. And then what he actually did was he somehow got a hold of the approved bands that say that it's an R-rated movie. And he basically put all the stuff back in and then he just edited the R band in the front of it. And he never actually got MPAA authorization and he just started distributing oh, the yeah. movie originally. I thought, so. he, I thought you were going to say he went in there and after cut after cut, he just said like, well, it's a comedy. And they're like, oh, okay. Because apparently that's what um, uh, Harvey Weinstein did uh, for this movie. They were they kept getting like NC-17, NC-17. And, and so finally Weinstein stepped in and, and met with the board and, and got an R rating. And he said, Wes Craven asked him how he did it. He said, I just told them that it was actually a comedy. Well, you know, when the script first uh, came out, it was actually intended to be more of a comedy than it is. It definitely has comedic. Like, I think the comedy lightens any of the gore and violence. Like, when the two guys stab each other, they're, just, they're both like, kind of laughing and just kind of like, oh, man, you went a little deep there. Jesus. Oh, shit. My turn. Don't forget. Stay to the side and don't go too deep. Okay. I'll remember. Ah! Fuck! 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 God damn it, Stu! Sorry, Billy. I guess I got a little too zealous, huh? Give me the knife. <laughs> <laughs> it's not well, like... I, apparently, that's that's the other scene that they edited to avoid NC-17. Like, apparently, the stabbing scene went on much longer in the original mm -hmm. cut. And, you know, you can hear a couple that are just, you know, they throw a couple extras and they're just showing Nev Campbell's face as opposed to them doing the stabbing of each other. But yeah, apparently that was something else that they had to cut. I love you guys. I really do. But I'm never going to let you stab me. Yeah. No, it just seems like a bad it's plan. Really, really uh, bad. Well, I don't yeah. plan on being a psychopath and murdering people. So I think we're good. Okay. So how about Ghostface as a, as a character? And, and Colin said that you're not necessarily, uh, you, you don't, there doesn't do much for you. My, is that right? my favorite ghost face is uh, Tom dressed up as ghost face with the Santa Claus outfit for Halloween. You don't remember that? Uh, nope. Yeah. Ghost face. Um, I think it's a good costume, actually. I think it pops at you because of the, the, the white on black. And if you were at a, you know, if you were at a Halloween party or at a party and you came around the corner and some dude was wearing that thing, I bet it would give you like a half second. Like, no, it, you know, it's good. Yeah. It's effective. Yeah, it it works for this, right? Because it's not supposed to be. It's supposed to be some guy dressed up as a ghoul who's killing people, 
Right. So it doesn't need to be elaborate. It's also the, I mean, the fact that he just gets the shit beat out of him constantly. <laughs> yeah, we should talk this. about that. That uh, makes it sort of funny. Yeah, it would it would be strange if it was like a really, um, really, really scary sort of outfit. And then you get sort of this slapstick, um, uh, you know, fight scenes. Um, that would have been weird. Yeah, because Ghostface does get his ass kicked multiple times in this movie. So he, he takes a, I mean, just off the top of my head, right? He gets, you know, punched. Uh, and kneed in the balls uh, or kicked in the balls a couple times. He gets his head smashed by the, uh, the top of the freezer door in, uh, in the garage. Uh, he gets beer bottles thrown at him that explode against his chest, which I, I'd imagine that wouldn't feel too good. But then I think the best one is where he's flipped up in the air and he lands on his back on stairs and yet he's able to jump up and keep going. But you gotta, he's got to be feeling some of that at some point, right? Maybe the adrenaline is just you know, masking it, but he does get his ass kicked throughout this entire movie, which is tons of fun. I think it's yeah. kind of funny though, just because like the way they do it too, you can just tell like they're making it somewhat realistic. And he's like, oof, oh, you like hear him like make the sound too. Like it's not like, right. it's not like a typical fight scene or it's not a typical like, you know, killer who would just absorb the blows. You can just hear him like, going, oh, like that kind of hurt. <laughs> like, I thought it was quite effective and kind of funny. Well, it's fun because he's a little bit, you know, it's you have the you, you actually are coming off of the Michael Myers and the Jason Voorhees, you know, these these otherworldly figures that can take all the damage and then keep coming yeah. at you. Uh, but this is just this seems like, you know, this is just some jackass in a costume that's trying to kill people. Yeah, exactly. so that's and it, That makes it fun. He's running around. He's very spry and very much unlike uh, Michael Myers and and Jason right. and. A little more like Freddy Krueger, but not even Freddy. He, Freddy Krueger didn't really chase people. Like he's chasing everyone in this movie. Right. You get the people aren't cooperating. Like, just stand still. Let me like stab you. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Like, why is this so difficult? Well, you know, he is. A, I mean, he's a pretty bad killer, right? I mean, the to me, the the best example of this is where the very first time he attacks Sydney in her house. If you look at that very first swing that he makes with a knife, he looks he looks off balance and, and misses her by a good like foot and a half, like shoots over her head. Right. And it's, it's a weird, it's, it's a weird swing of the knife, the way that he's doing it. It's not like you would expect someone to try and hey, look, you try putting that mask on and then let's see how your accuracy is with a, with a wielding a knife. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. So I, th I think the, I think the mask is, is creating some visibility it, issues in regards to uh, his uh, effectiveness. as a Exactly. It's like a teenager just yeah. deciding he wanted to kill people and grabs a knife and he's, he's not a skilled killer so hey this is here's an interesting question if the point was to kill sydney why not just you know come over as billy and just knife her you know right. why chase her around <laughs> no one else is there i think they just wanted they enjoyed scary movies and they just wanted to have some fun <laughs> well because they didn't even kill uh they didn't even kill sydney first they killed um uh, casey, casey right yeah that was yeah. Stu's. So maybe it was Stu, right? Because that was Stu. She broke up with Stu. I'm guessing Casey broke up with him. All right. Well, uh, in terms of epic scenes, one thing that I think is worth discussing is the uh, is the garage sequence, because there's all kinds of interesting uh, thoughts there. So and that so for anybody who's not familiar with it, that's where uh, Tatum, so Rose McGowan's character, goes out to the garage. She has a confrontation with Ghost Faced after she she throws multiple beer bottles at him. She goes to try and escape the garage by climbing through a doggy door that is uh, built into the garage. And the ghost face killer triggers the garage door opener, which lifts her body in the air and smashes her head against the, uh, the edge of the garage, which I, that whole scene is, is pretty funny. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a uh, two points about that scene and yeah. not the ones you're thinking of. Um, first, <laughs> <laughs> how could I not well think of them first? Like, did they not have like, uh, like uh, triggers to like stop the garage door if someone gets in front of it? Her body was there. Like, you have to like, you know, we have like the uh, sensor, like the sensors to like stop the garage. Yeah, the safety yeah. sensors. What happened there? And then also like obviously the strength of a garage door could actually pick up a person uh, inside of it. Yes. Well, I, I I have done some research. If you're interested, I'm, I'm interested. Yeah, so the uh, so the uh, I, I looked at it. The the engine that they flash in the movie is a it's a half power it's a half horsepower engine 
Um, those with the way they're designed have the torque to lift about 300 pounds, which is the average weight of a, of a uh, two panel uh, metal garage door. Uh, and so with her approximate weight of 140 pounds, 140, oh, Jesus, man. she's, she's <laughs> like, like 115, maybe. Okay. 115. Sorry. Uh, her laying in the doggy door would, uh, it would be unlikely that the unit could lift her at all. But then going beyond that, starting in the late eighties, <laughs> garage door openers also implemented nylon gearing that was specifically designed to tear at the point if there was much resistance as a safety mechanism. Yeah. So apparently they had a really old garage door opener where uh, it was unsafe. So the plausibility of that whole scene, very, very low. I just thought it was fun. And, and even if it did lift her, you know, the fact that it then like completely crunched her head in, yeah. I think, uh, right. no, would not have had enough. But that, that scene, that, that scene feels very, very Wes Craven, which is, which is kind of fun. Cause it, it, you know, if you look at some of the other, like the goofy kills and the weird stuff that he's done in, you know, a lot of his older horror movies, that's very much, that feels that feels very, uh, you know, shocker, um, shocker esque. He could so, in a Nightmare on Elm Street too. Fun. Like it just one of those like kind of fun, fun deaths. So, so Dave, does this go down as a cool kill? Yeah, I'd say this is a cool kill. I think I think getting your uh, head crunched in the garage door is uh, is good. One thing I really liked, I thought the the tape delay. So Gail Weathers comes in, puts the camera in, and goes the uh, live feed goes back to the van, but there's like a thirty second delay. I thought that was like super effective for like, that was like closest to a scary moment of like being in there and seeing the guy. And then like, he starts running out to like save him. And they're like, Oh no, the 30 seconds. And they like, they get him at that point. Yeah, why, why didn't he kill Randy at that point? Who's Randy? Randy was, Randy was the one who was sitting by himself watching. Jamie, Jamie, look behind you. Look behind you. Turn around behind you. I'll turn behind you. Behind Jamie. Uh, Halloween. I, didn't, I forgot his name was Randy. I expect his shirt to be off. Hey, uh, he didn't kill Randy because he heard the, the doors open or something. Like he he heard something outside, and that's what like distracted him to uh, go outside. He heard. Um, he, I mean, he's, he's sitting there and he has the knife like you know raised over his head like he's going to kill him. No, but he heard like either Gail or Sydney was outside yelling for help. He's like, oh shit, I have to go yeah. up there and. Uh, do you think at any point somebody somebody yelled party killer <laughs> i thought the use of cell phones was pretty effective it works in a time where like having a cell phone was a little bit rare a little more like suspicious not suspicious to have a phone but like it wouldn't be obvious that everyone would have a phone so it's not obvious that someone could be right outside your door calling you I was kind of wondering though, is that really what they show when what Billy has? Is that was there were there cell phones that look like that for a while? Because that looks more like a cordless. Yeah, phone. That was a cell phone. That's a. That was yeah. a 1996. Because then, they, cell phone. then they cut to they cut to somebody who's in a car and they're using one of the larger brick cell phones at one point, right? Yeah. Yeah, like uh, Gail had like the like uh, the uh, Gordon Gecko phone. Yeah. I mean, that was a car phone. That was what, a part, what, that was a phone that she had like for the uh, the uh, you know the, the the news van. Yeah. Exactly. I, I think yeah. the, the more important question here is, so yeah, okay, not that many people have cell phones back then. No. Um, but, but it wasn't totally uncommon. It was just not. No, no. But like, how common would it be for someone, especially a teenager, to clone a cell phone? No, they, they stole it. They no, they said it. it was cloned. Yeah, they said it was cloned. They, they, they dropped that at the end when they're in the kitchen. Nah, well, that would be very uncommon but exactly. i thought they already i thought they killed the dad or they captured the dad and they'd taken his cell phone because he had it at the end and he put it in his i know his, well see that makes the pocket. most sense right yeah. because they they probably so they kill um casey and steve yeah right and then and then immediately like probably the next morning they kidnap the dad on his way to the airport yeah and they take and his they, phone right and so then they use his phone when they call Sydney. So what's up with all this cloning bullshit? I, I, don't, I didn't catch any. I didn't catch right, any well, cloning. At least we resolved that one. <laughs> 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 well, so I'll, I'll here's a, I'll give you one thing that I think is interesting. So as as much as this movie pays attention to detail when it comes to all the horror movie references and all that. Uh, it kind of blows the continuity of the movie Halloween and the way it's being shown during the party. 
which is that that's I find it interesting that they would go as far as they do to you know make all these you know intricate references and these you know kind of Easter eggs and then like for example when they're and when they're watching the movie and Michael Myers on TV you know stakes the dude uh, to the wall in the very famous scene where he jumps out of the closet one of the characters in in the Scream movie says oh the blood is all wrong like he yells that out but there actually is no blood in that scene. So I was kind of curious as to why they would, uh, if, if that was, and you know, at the time Halloween was known as being a very successful, suspenseful film without having a lot of blood. In fact, it has, it has almost no blood in it as a movie. Um, so uh, maybe is that what they were referencing? I, I just I thought that they, was kind of curious. Yeah, I is think it, they just wanted to have a line in there where where they could say, you know, because that, that does happen often, right? That blood doesn't look like blood. It's like too bright, you know? Right. Um, but they really wanted to have Halloween in the background, which I thought was really kind of cool because all throughout uh, the, you know, with like Sydney being chased around the house or whatever, you can hear Halloween in the background and it's, it's, it, yeah. it's sort of synced up a little bit and with the, you know, in the music. And um, so it's really quite effective, but yeah, I think that's a line that they just wanted to just throw out there. Well, I, I figured they're, yeah, I figured they were trying to tie it back to when, you know, Billy at the end, and says they're, they're using corn syrup to simulate blood, right? So that's that they, they know what they were doing or there was some sort of involvement in terms of the creation of fake blood. I just think that using Halloween as a movie is a point of connection there. It's specifically known yeah, not yeah. for that. So I just thought that was kind of, I was wondering if that was like a, a you know, like a deep reference for somebody to get. I don't I think, know. I think that's exactly it. Well, I think they wanted well, to put in something that only the true Fangoria readers like yourself would, would recognize. I think Kevin Williamson was sitting there going, you know, in in 24 years, I'm going to be listening to a podcast where someone asks this question. Kevin, I'm there for you, man. Anything I can do? Uh, okay, just I'll just a couple other few random things. So uh, Henry Winkler, who we forgot to mention mention in the cast, I think is he's fun <laughs> as the principal. And the scene where he has the two kids that he he pulls the the guys that were uh, a couple of kids were wearing ghost face costumes and he's going to expel them. But how he acts for a moment, don't, don't you think that they're trying to make you think that maybe of he's course, the killer? Because yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's, he's a little unhinged there for a second, and, and that's that's pretty fun. He has, a, he has a, a very brief screen time, but I think it's a fun energy and a fun performance. Oh, he's got like scissors or something. He's like, oh, sciz those scissors. Like he's, I'm going to like cut you open or whatever. It's like, I think um, he would actually be removed from his job if he did that <laughs> in real life. Guaranteed. One of his announcements though was yeah. the, uh, over the loudspeaker was, I'm your principal and I love you. <laughs> and I want you to yeah. be safe. Remember, your principal loves you, and I want you to be safe. All students are encouraged to return to their homes promptly from school grounds. Avoid strangers, walk in twos and threes. I will see you here tomorrow. <laughs> And then I do, I do love the, the scene with the, you know, I mentioned it earlier, but um, they find out that their principal has been killed and all the kids have the same reaction, which is, yeah, let's go check it out before they cut him down. Listen up. They found Principal Henry dead. He was gutted and hung from the goalpost on the football field. What are we waiting for? Let's go over there before they pry him down. Hey. Hey. Like, when exactly did these guys have time to to gut him and and you know hang him from the goalposts? It was a mechanism to get the get the kids out of the party. Billy arrived to the party late. Remember, like they're like, "Oh, here's Billy." Mm. That's right. Mm. 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 That's right. Well, how about this? How about you know? What about the possibility of them actually getting away with this crime if they had been able to kill Sydney? Thousand percent, they don't get away with it. Yeah. Right. Because, because, because I was thinking about this, right? So you have the dad who has been like, apparently he's been, you know, beat up and he's been stashed and, you know, someplace for two days after being kidnapped. He has, he's going to have like duct tape residue on his mouth, on his pants. You know, there, uh, I, I think that the, there's, there's going to be some explaining to do as to why, like, how is this guy able to kill everybody when he's in this condition where he's been bound for two days? I think that's the first thing where uh, not to mention the fact that um, they were going to like, um, ha like kill Sydney and then, and then have him like you know shoot himself in the head, right? And to to frame right. him. Meanwhile, uh, Stu is like got his gloveless hands all over the gun, like yeah. fingerprints right. left and right. Yeah, I know. I just no. They, there's no way that they get they get away with this. I did like that. Randy was a uh, such a horror aficionado, and he was perfectly cast as a um, employee at Blockbuster, like. 
That's exactly. Yeah. Randy. Yeah. Randy's, he was Randy's exact, a really good character. He was the exact uh, movie guy from uh, the Simpsons. Is that, uh, is Jamie Kennedy doing much these days? I haven't, I haven't. Uh, I don't know. I think the last thing I saw he was doing, the, he had a show, the Jamie Kennedy experience or something like that. I think he's, uh, right. I think he's getting a beer. He's going to get ready to watch some Niners and Rams. He's, he's written for the Rams. Huh? Well, I don't know. <laughs> random, random questions. Um, when Sydney is at uh, Tatum's house um, and they're in Tatum's bedroom, there's a very large black and white photo. Who was that? I was and like, I was like, who is that? And I'm thinking, is that Grant Goodeve from Eight is Enough? Is that who it was? I don't know. I don't know who it is. And I did a little bit of internet sleuthing, but I, I couldn't find anything. Yeah, it's like an eight so by ten. So you noticed it too. It's an Ooh. yeah, it's an eight by ten like uh, like, it's like a headshot. Eight by ten glossy headshot, yeah. black and white. I'm like, who's that? Come on. That's right. That's gotta like, be somebody, right? Yeah, one of the things I did like the music and it was a uh, pretty pretty good throughout and it was it seemed uh and also like a lot of the posters and stuff. I thought it was like really like set and stuff like that. All that was really well done, I thought. All right. Well, based on our overall enthusiasm level, right. uh, should, so, we, should we go ahead and wrap this what, thing up? So why did we do this again? Because it was, it's, because it's, well, it's going to be horror month. We're, we're just going to do a few. Quick, spooky time. Well, yeah, exactly. So, uh, but, you know, well, it, it also, it was a fun maybe, one. maybe the, maybe, maybe the lack of horror enthusiasm or maybe horror people are not enthusiastic about horror on this podcast. All right. Well, hey, we hope you enjoyed our conversation about Scream. This is the Real DMC podcast signing off. And if you did enjoy it, (laughs) (laughs) oh my lord! We didn't even talk about the rules. (laughs) That would have been good. That would be a good topic. What are the what rules? Probably would would have been some good content for this podcast. The Pringles back. <laughs> I can see you're taking the salsa, the mild salsa. Pick up the hot salsa instead. <laughs> Wrong salsa, Sydney. <laughs> Worst podcast ever. <laughs> <laughs>